Welcome to the public morality. Former President Donald Trump was recently indicted in a Florida court. The indictment lays out 37 federal charges against Trump, including obstruction and unlawful retention of defense information for storing dozens of classified documents at his Florida resort and refusing to return them to the FBI and the National Archives. Six charges were also levied against Walt Nada, a former presidential aide to Trump who remained in his employ after Trump left office. To help us understand it all, we welcome back political analyst Joe Tooman. Joe Tooman, welcome once again to the Public Morality. Great to have you on, sir. And always a pleasure to be with you. Could you briefly outline uh, for our listeners the recent charges against former President Trump? And could you also talk about their severity? Sure. Um, you know, I, I think that we knew some of this was coming with Trump because, uh, you know, long before we got into the, the legal trouble that he's in, um, people were very much aware from the get-go that uh, even as his, his niece, who's a, a therapist, um, accurately diagnosed about her, her uncle, um, he is a psychopath. Uh, he's a sociopath. He's a, a chronic liar, um, and sometimes you wonder, you know, how much of that he's self-aware about, and how much <clears throat> the time it's just, it's just uh, the, the way he is. He constantly, exact. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. When he first began um, becoming uh, more in the in in uh, in the public. Um, uh, whether it was with radio interviews or being quoted in the newspapers. And then, you know, he, he had a little bit of time on television that developed into something for him. Um, you know, it began with massive exaggeration, which bordered on lying and, and became lying eventually. And, and so that is one thing that has always been problematic about him. And it's even more problematic when you have somebody who wants to run for president as he did. And, you know, is quite happy to continue lying. Um, fast forward from there, the first time he ran and won 2016 to 2020, he tried running for re-election and lost bitterly. Um, and, and Joe Biden beat him fair and square. And, uh, you know, then another example of Trump lying. Trump promoted this falsehood that uh, Mr. Biden had somehow stolen the race, you know, the election from him and that he was the real winner. And in the meantime, that he and his cronies, he being Mr. Trump, his cronies were promoting this. They were also trying to create uh, uh, another falsity uh, by uh, alleging that uh, a bunch of people have been involved in this and that, uh, you know, they needed to have uh, what he called alternative electors to decide the electoral college count. And of course, the people that Trump uh, designated for this were all people who were working for him. So they were promoting uh, a lie and they knew it as well. And um, Trump, in the midst of all this, of course, as well, besides promoting these kinds of lies and, and trying basically to challenge our Constitution, um, Trump also promoted the act of insurrection against uh, our government. Uh, and not just our government um, in terms of the people and the rest of it, but the physical structure of, of uh, our government in Washington, D.C. 
And uh, this was January 6th we're talking about. And uh, uh, thankfully, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not thankful for it, but I'm, I am thankful for the fact that there were people there who videotaped everything. So there is a record of this. And um, that, you know, basically uh, was the beginning of Mr. Trump's troubles and, and increased the likelihood that he would not be working in politics anymore. Um, because it was very obvious after that, Byron, as I'm sure you remember, that, that it was Trump who had promoted this, the, the act of you know, taking it all back. He told people to come to Washington, D.C. at that particular time, and then he wrote in the, in the same note that he sent to everybody, it's going to be a wild one. Well, the wild one was what happened when you mixed Trump and his crazy legal people who, who were clearly doing things that were illegal, when you mix that with, uh, with domestic terror groups. Uh, which we have too many of in this country, uh, all of whom had sort of were looking for a fight and had sort of bought off on what Trump was saying. They were itching for you know a chance to 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 eliminate democracy, to tear down um, a democratic republic, um, and you know to bring everything you know scorched earth that sort of thing. Well, a lot of those people after the fact went to prison, and they're still being sent to prison. And uh, the Department of Justice is doing this first because they broke the law and also because it needs to make an example of several of these groups and also to send a message to Mr. Trump that you cannot do that. And Trump is not well read at all. I don't know that he's ever read the Constitution, but there are parts of the Constitution that stipulate, by the way, on the subject of insurrection, um, that if you are... Uh, uh, running for office and you engage instead in an insurrection to try and get your way, um, you're done. You're finished. In the Constitution, it specifies if you have done that, you cannot seek office um, in politics ever again. You're finished. Um, so Trump, in some ways, has done this to himself. Um, and that January 6th deal is one of the three parts that I'll be mentioning to you briefly here today. Insurrection. Mm -hmm. Um, the other things that he's done that uh, now are, are inviting more uh, scrutiny uh, and, and frankly have brought on in the Department of Justice um, at the invitation of Merrick Garland, who's now the head of the DOJ. Um, Merrick Garland, by the way, was all set to sit on the Supreme Court before um, uh, Bill Barr, who was the acting attorney general, came up with an excuse for uh, uh, not having him be there. And that was part of the way that the Republicans then were able to um, put as many people of their own on there to eliminate Roe versus Wade and to you know, change abortion law in this country. Well, be that as it may, um, uh, having these people uh, involved at the Department of Justice level um, would eventually bring in, uh, at Merrick Garland's um, suggestion, uh, Jack Smith, uh, a prosecuting attorney of, of great reputation. I mean, this, this guy is um, a very, very good lawyer and an even better prosecutor. And uh, so he has gone after uh, Trump on a number of things. The, as well, I'll come back in just a moment to insurrection, but the second of those has very much to do with this question about um, the taking of documents and records um, that don't belong uh, to a president. They actually belong to the American people, and they're supposed to be kept 
um, by the, the record keepers at the federal level who keep these things um, not just as part of the historical record, but also as a way of being able to explain what's happened in X number of years. And what we're learning now is that Trump um, was not the only one who took some of those things and read them. Um, Joe Biden did as well. Uh, and so did, um, of all people, Mike Pence. Um, and, and the interesting thing, of course, about this is that the moment uh, Trump was accused of doing that, he immediately said, well, Biden did it too, and Pence did it too. Well, the difference is, as I'm sure you know, um, that Biden and Pence took a couple of these documents and looked at them. And then when they realized that these were classified documents, they hadn't known that initially, they immediately returned them. They called the people uh, that kept the records and said, come and collect this stuff. We're sorry, didn't know that, that this was classified. We're turning it all back to you. You can come and you can turn the, our, our house upside down, be, be my guest. Both Pence and Biden did that. Donald Trump, when confronted with the same, uh, did not have just a couple of documents <laughs> around his White House. He had thousands of those documents. And now it's turning out that a number of those were classified. And what's worse about this, Byron, as I'm sure you know, is that many of these also involved um, military issues. And uh, uh, not only um, were they military issues in general, but also what we knew about other countries, including our uh, adversaries as well, uh, our allies. And this information, you know, Trump was showing to people at his, uh, uh, the newer golf course he has up in the Northeast. I've forgotten what it's called. I want to say- Bedminster, is it Bedminster? Bedminster. And what he was doing was people were showing up to his, you know, his, his place there, or they would meet him at Miralago. And he was showing off. He was showing people these documents. And none of these people had security clearance to look at this stuff, let alone to be in the same room with it. And uh, he did this with thousands of documents. And uh, when he was confronted on this, as I'm sure you remember, he pretended or he came up with this cockamamie theory of his own that he had already declassified everything. So it was OK to look at them because he did it in his head. <laughs> and I'm, I, I don't, can I, will I get in trouble if I say this? I issue you not. That's exactly what he said. I did it in my head. And everybody said, well, that's not how it works. Actually, you fill out paperwork when you do that. And we collect that too. And then we still take the document, whether you declassified it or not, because you're not allowed to have it. It doesn't belong to you. And this is when Trump began saying these really crazy things like insisting that anything that was stuffed in a box was his. And then he went on a rant this last week, just this last week, telling reporters and the like um, that he only, he, no one's allowed to open his boxes. No one's allowed, allowed to look in his boxes to see what's in there or to read anything. No one is allowed to do this or that. He kept saying, it's all mine. Mine, 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 mine. And he wasn't talking about, uh, Byron, one or two documents or one or two boxes. He was talking about all of it. And speaking in the past tense, uh, as if this belonged to him from day one when he was president. And we're now in a period with him, what I'm telling you about, when he's out of office. He's a disgraced, you know, twice impeached, now twice in trouble with the law, um, ex-president. He's a private citizen. He has no call, no right to access this information at all. Zero. Nothing. 
allows them to do that. In any other situation, if somebody else, if you or I had gone there and said, let's, let's take some of these and go read them, we would be arrested immediately and they would have buried us so deep in some prison, <laughs> gotten right. at the edge of the world that no one would ever, it would be like Nalbani, the guy in Russia who's never going to get out of there because Putin wants to you know, keep him behind bars. Um, but with Trump, like I said, sociopath, psychopath, nutcase, um, you know, a strange guy, a very, very strange guy. He insisted on taking this stuff. He still insists that this is his. And it was just a day or so ago, he was still claiming that he had declassified everything. And people keep saying, well, first of all, you don't do that in your head. You have to fill out paperwork. You don't have paperwork in your head. And, you know, he, so he's still insisting that this is true, which just makes him look more crazy, frankly. And uh, then on top of that, we have, you know, other issues um, uh, with Trump because at the same time, um, he's made it very clear that were he to win uh, the nomination for the Republican Party and become president again, um, he's already announced that he wants to demolish the Department of Justice because he feels that they weren't just to him, which is complete nonsense. Um, so the longer he's there, even though he's not the president anymore, he, like I said, he's just a private citizen. Um, the more he continues to sort of promote these these claims of lunacy, frankly, I, I can't think of a, a more honest way to say it. It's I mean it's crazy talk most of the time. Joe, and, if you would, Joe, if you would, if you wouldn't mind, talk so, about because I know this is one of the reasons we really wanted to have you on because you understand the severity. I'm talk about explain to to, the, to our listeners. You know why taking these documents is so severe. It's not just it's not like you and I going to a garage sale and just having a bunch of stuff around like pack rats. Yeah. Why is this so um, a threat to national security? Well, because all of the documents we were talking about um, were classified, and in order to have access to them, you have to have security clearance. You have to pass a number of tests and they check your background. And then they tell you what you can and what you can't look at. Um, oftentimes the stuff that you are, if you if they give you clearance, you are allowed to see a, a, a huge amount of that is redacted, which means they, you already know what that means, but for our listeners who may not be familiar with the term redacted, um, that's the stuff that's been blacked out in the hard copy. So that you, you know, the people who are only who have classification to see something, they're only seeing the stuff that has already been redacted. Um, because you don't want to be giving up information, for example, that could um, name a source who was providing this information that's in the document. That person could get killed or murdered if it came out that he had been the source for something that Trump is talking about to some witness or to uh, one of one of his cronies who wanted to you know, visit Miralago and have a picture taken with Trump. And so these things are, are are very important and and the fact that uh, uh, you know our government keeps track of all these records and has to have access to that uh, all of that was sort of threatened by Trump who who took all this stuff claimed it to your question about like why would he do that well he is a, I think part pack rat to a degree if you've ever seen the inside of, of the White House he collects a lot of weird stuff including I've seen multiple on camera, multiple uh, iterations, either of uh, 
who was the 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 uh, the most popular quarterback? And he was playing for uh, what's it? he just retired? Tom, Tom Brady. Great. So he had there's a if you go through there, there's a Tom Brady jersey hanging over because Trump's a big you know fan. There was a, a helmet with Tom Brady's name on it that Trump has, and I mean this kind of stuff. Why do you need that stuff? You're a grown man, you know, and and he's he's pushing 300 pounds or something like that. It's not like he could even get that helmet on his head or a jersey over his shoulder. Um, but this is he 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 collects stuff, and because he I I think he wants to and he picked a Tom Brady because Brady is at this point probably one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever was, with apologies to Jim Pluckett and others, um, and and uh, here he is. You know, here's Trump, and I think at some level, Trump wants to sort of make an association between himself and somebody like Tom Brady. Here's a great athlete, and, and you know, Trump, when he talks about his past, he loves to talk about when he played baseball in high school, and he was supposedly, according to him, a great hitter. Um, but nowadays, you see him. This is a man who's hugely overweight, not healthy, and he spends all his time playing golf, and. Uh, so I, I think that that this is some of what's going on. Trump, he's not the president anymore. Uh, I think he holds on to some of these things, or he tried to hold on to some of these things because they made they reminded him of being president. Um, but that's where it ended because he he's completely forgotten what the rules are, and it's not like they never told him. They told him a bunch of times and had to keep reminding him a bunch of times, and he promised he'd get it done. But when they went to search Miralago or to search the White House or whatever, they were still finding hundreds and and I'm not exaggerating here, thousands of these documents um, that were classified that were not supposed to be looked at. And they were on the floor or on his desk. The floor area was around his desk. And you you can find those photographs of all these documents that are they, they weren't supposed to be there. Right? He can look at something for a moment and then he's got to give it up. But he was keeping it for weeks and weeks and weeks or longer. And you know, the, the the fear then became not just why was he taking it, but the other question, which is the bigger question for me, which is what's he doing with that material? Right. And there is some speculation. I don't have any proof of this, but this seems like a reasonable question to be asking uh, the people in the FBI and the Department of Justice is was Trump uh leveraging this material that he had taken these documents for money was he was he selling it if you've got the goods on a foreign government or and you know and you've got the document the people in the united states have you know they put that material together you could sell that to an enemy country somewhere else and trump is not above doing something like that because from the day he got as you know byron from the day he got into the white house he was looking for every angle, for every possible way he could grift. He could make money off doing this. And so you saw even recently, just as an example, if you know what I'm talking about, it was Trump going to his own Republican base saying, give me money. I'm going to build the wall. Remember? Mm -hmm. well, he raised millions of dollars. And he, he, he built about, I don't know what it was, 13 feet of wall. <laughs> that's that's going to keep the hordes out from uh, Central America. Come on. He was putting that money to use for other things. He's spending it on himself. That's grifting and theft. And, and, and Joe, the, the, the severity that you raise is even even if uh, former President Trump was not, you know, 
selling the documents to say Russia or North Korea, something like that, that does not alleviate the fact this is a major security risk. Just having the documents are, is bad enough. Would that be correct? Absolutely. And and like I was saying to you before, you know, if there are people, and oftentimes there are on these documents, that's why they're classified. The names are redacted, right? Trump might have had access to some in which somebody maybe hadn't redacted parts of that. We don't know. Um, but that puts your sources at risk, your human sources at risk. And, um, you know, that's in the intelligence world, that's how people die. You know, they, they, they get named and then, and then suddenly the convenient way to resolve the situation is you off that person, you, you remove them from the face of this earth. And none of that, you know, does any good for our respective countries, plural, and uh, it's a huge problem with him. And, and what makes it worse in Trump's case is uh, today, to me, he seems more and more uh, defensive than I've seen him be before. Um, his, not much of what he says makes any sense. It doesn't sound sensible. It still sounds nutty, frankly, and not realistic. Um, and frankly, you know, when he says crazy things like I'm going to, to destroy, you know, I'm going to burn up or, or yeah, burn up, I think is what he said, um, or burn down, pardon me, burn down the department of justice. That's crazy talk. We don't have a Department of Justice for no reason. We have it for good reasons because you need to have at the federal level. It's one of the branches of government um, control over our, our system of justice. I mean, how else could we prosecute people who committed crimes if we didn't have a Department of Justice? How could how else would we supervise and uh, make it hold accountable our law enforcement personnel if we didn't have a Department of Justice? It's not like this is a make-believe thing. It's it's a big deal. So to hear someone who wants to be president again, running for the Republican Party that used to call itself, remember this, the party of law and order. Not anymore, right? To, to, to hear Trump then talking about crazy talk, like I'm going to burn this thing down. I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to fire all those people. I'm going to arrest those people who work there, you know, because he's mad at them somehow. Somehow they're to blame. And we're still in a place here where Mr. Smith has, has issued some uh, indictments, but we haven't done a trial yet on this. I mean, that's still coming. And here you have Trump ready to, it's an insurrection act part two, you know, if you, in addition to attacking those buildings, hey, let's burn down the Department of Justice too. And what's really going on there is He's not going to really, I hope, literally not going to burn down the Department of Justice. But what he clearly wants to do is just break it up, basically, because he doesn't want the Jack Smiths of this world to hold people, oligarchs like him, Mr. Trump, accountable for crimes, which he clearly has committed. Let me just add to this real quickly of the sure. examples I gave you. We have uh, with Fannie Willis in, uh, in uh, Georgia. Um, you know, perfect evidence of another crime. And Trump lost the 2020 election. So what's he do? He calls um, the Secretary of State in Georgia, gets her on the phone, says, I need 11,783 or something like that votes. I need you to find them for me because that'll be one more than I need to win this election. <laughs> and, and 
And he's saying it with a, you know, you can you can almost see the straight face that you can't see on, on, on the telephone, but you can hear it in his voice that he's being serious. And I'm sure everybody in that room was going like, is this a joke? <laughs> you know, we don't we don't find votes for people. You know, and uh, and and that recording exists. That's part of the reason that she's about to dump on him with this. But you know, this will be the fourth thing he's going to get charged with, which is trying to overturn a lawful election. And it's, Biden won that race. I swear. You know, Joe, on that Georgia, on that Georgia one that you, you just referred to, the thing that always mesmerized me that let's just say, for for sake of conversation that the 11,000 votes that he needed plus that he needed to win Georgia, if he got them, Biden would have still won that race. I mean, Biden would still still have the requisite electoral votes without Georgia. So I, I didn't even understand the logic behind that because Georgia would have not changed the outcome. No. But with Trump, it's, you know, go big or go home, that, that kind of um, mentality. And... And in, uh, just to step back for a second, too, and think about Yiddish, they say chutzpah, you know, the, the, the balls, the gall, mm-hmm. right? Um, think, of the, look at the, think of the cojones this guy has to say this with a straight face like he's serious. He is serious. And anybody who's listening to that is thinking like, okay, either this is a joke and it's, you know, it's, it's funny for about five seconds or we're talking to a crazy person. Who's who's so far gone? He, he doesn't hear himself. He doesn't he doesn't hear what he's saying, and he, and he has no sense of or perception of of how bad he's about to make it for himself. And you know, there's a reason Trump had so many lawyers who kept quitting on him in the last couple of years, and this is one of them. He, he's he's not controllable, and he really does say wacky things that a sensible, normal person would never say. And uh, even as a joke, you wouldn't say something like that. But in this case, he's, 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 he's lost a few marbles, obviously. I mean, there's, there's something wrong there. And you, that's a last one of the thing. One of the things that bodes well for him, I mean, bodes well for his chances, though. In, 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 the, in the, the indictment that, that Jack Smith, uh, in, that, in that indictment, he, you only, he only needs one person to see it was a six-person jury. He needs one person to see it his way, and it, be, it can become a hung jury. How likely do you think that scenario could be? Well, it depends on uh, you know how conservative this judge that they have in there. Um, I think Cannon. Yeah, can Judge Cannon. Um, it, it, how, 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 you know, it, the last time she was involved with something that had to do with Trump, she was way over the, you know, she had only, she had only had, I think, four or five trials or something like that. So she's extremely inexperienced. She was a Trump supporter and she, she went way overboard, if you remember this the first time. And uh, the, uh, the Department of Justice, you know, went to the uh, 11th Circuit Court of Appeals said, we don't think this is appropriate for someone who's got no experience. And also these, the way she's laying this out, you know, Trump can only win with this. And that's not, that's not part of the evidence that we're showing to our jury. So that the 11th Circuit intervened and overruled her on every charge she tried to change. And uh, that, of course, infuriated Trump. But, you know, 
she was she's just very inexperienced. The second time around, she has been a little more circumspect about her role and acknowledging the fact that she has very little experience in these kinds of trials. Um, so to your question, I think a lot of this about whether we get a hung jury or not really very much depends on what Judge Cannon chooses to do and uh, whether or not she's going to make a point of it to find, you know, a couple of people, um, you know, to, to influence with her, with her rulings. And you're, you're totally right about that. It, it doesn't take much to overturn this um, where that's concerned. Although I do think if she got involved again in that way, I'm very sure that the Department of Justice would go right back again to the 11th Circuit. That's the, the 11th Circuit is the last one before the Supreme Court. So, um, and they, they handled her last time. They would be involved with her this time if there was a complaint again that uh, her inexperience has rendered this judgment that she's making um, the wrong judgment. So we'll have to wait and see about that. There is that. Given, given the amount of notoriety this case has already received, can Donald Trump or any president for that minute, any former president, can he, can Donald Trump get a fair trial? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That, that, that's the one thing we know for sure in all this process, Brian, is that, uh, the department of justice and, uh, the, the head of the Department of Justice um, have already said uh, in plain English um, that they have no intention of, of uh, treating Mr. Trump unfairly. Um, he will get, you know, uh, they've actually gone way out of their way in some respects um, to make sure that, that uh, he's treated the same as everyone else, that he's treated fairly. Um, there's no one who's trying to sort of uh, play a game and, and set him up to lose or something like that. They've, and, and the sad thing in all of this is that Trump doesn't even recognize that most of the time. He's still complaining, um, but he's complaining because he's embarrassed that he lost the 2020 election. Um, you know, this is where the second lie came up besides they, they fixed the election or they stole the election. He continues to call Biden. He was a pretty actually good president. I mean, he's, when I say good, I mean, in the sense that he's, he's been effective and, and, uh, you know, the inflation is down, the jobs have gone through the roof. Um, we're supporting Ukraine. Um, you know, we're doing good things. And, and then you have Trump on the other side of this and, and, uh, where, where people should be happy about this. Trump still, you know, complains like it's, uh, this is all something to do with Joe Biden and Biden is a criminal and there's proof of that. And, you know, we still have on the Republican side, unfortunately, um, people who believe in these conspiracy theory pieces of nonsense. Um, and so, you know, like there's this claim that people have made that the, the House Republicans have been wasting our money, our taxpayer money investigating this insane claim that somebody paid off Biden when he was vice president, gave him a big check. They've never explained what the check was for. They've never produced any evidence of its existence. There is none. Um, and, and yet they still contend that, you know, this was all Biden. Well, guess where, who the original source for this was? You seen Rudy Giuliani lately? The guy, you know, lost his law license. The guy who, Put on. We, he had so much of that color in his hair that it was streaking yeah. down. His face. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> that's a bad. That's a bad. Not stuck in my head, Joe. That's a bad image. Go ahead. <laughs> well, he's kind of gone. You know, Trump is mentally cuckoo. Uh, Giuliani is 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 physically cuckoo. He's. I mean, he's really lost it, and it's such a pity because there was a time in this world during 9/11 when it was good to have Rudy Giuliani willing to be in charge, and now it's he's just an embarrassment. And that he would, you know, the idea that he would promote this kind of nonsense to Trump um, just emboldens Trump to say strange things too, frankly. This is, I mean, those two should not be spending time with each other. And the only thing that, that has worked out well for Giuliani um, is that he was smart enough to know that he should quit on Trump at some point because Trump was bad for him. And he is bad for him in a lot of ways. So uh, these are some of the things anyway that I think speak to this you know, this whole question about Mr. Trump, I, I've no doubt that uh, Smith can get convictions um, on at least two of the four, maybe three out of the four. On this. They've already talked, though, as an act of example of what I was saying to you before, where they're trying to not make it look like they're piling up on Trump. Trying, they want to, you know, also suggest that they're giving him every chance they can to treat him fairly. Um, but right now, it it uh, you know it seems pretty obvious um, there will be at least a couple of convictions where this is concerned because the evidence is there and Trump's not even denying it at this point. He's trying to justify it um, when he says things like I said to you, going back to this question about hoarding all these documents and taking them, he puts them in his box and then he claims all the material in the box is mine. It's my box. You can't open it. You can't look at it. And he's talking to feds <laughs> and telling them that. And they're trying to be polite to him and say, yes, sir, yes, sir. But they're thinking like, this guy's nuts. It's his box. I can't look in the box. I was sent here to look in the box. You can't tell me not to. You're a private citizen, right? You don't have any juice with us anymore. So, Joe, let's. I want to switch ever so slightly to, to the larger issue, to more broadly. Yeah. Talk about, if you could, just in a historical context. I, I know that I was watching um, uh, former um, Harvard constitutional law professor Lawrence Tribe, who who recently said that the current situation is more is more fragile. It's placed our our democracy is more fragile than any time since the Civil War. And I wondered, how do you see that? I mean, how, how does this impact the fragility of American democracy in your view? Well, um, went to law school. I read all Lawrence Stripe's books um, coming up that way. And I completely agree with him. And to answer your question, I would answer maybe different, a little differently than the way he did. I would, or I would rather explain his conclusion a little bit differently. Um, I think that the insurrection, the act of insurrection on, on uh, January 6th was the first harbinger of, of, of coming down the road. Um, because here we had a, a government employee initiated, I mean, Trump and his other people in the Republican Party who were sort of down with this. And let's also throw in some nutcases from Fox News who perpetuate all sorts of falsehoods or, or ex, you know, blow out of proportion, you know, the claims that they're making. They're still doing it to this very day um, because it's good for their ratings, you know, amongst the, the MAGA crowd, the Make America Great crowd. And you know what? If that's all those people were really interested in, which is how can we improve America? Nobody's going to complain about that. But when you've got people who tell lies 
and then promote violence and insurrection to tear down the government. And in the process, you destroy the buildings and, and you kill cops or you damage cops. You've crossed the line, just gone nuts. And so back to this point, you know, the insurrection was one of the harbingers, I think, uh, for me. And, and uh, the rest of it, without question, is, is the way that Mr. Trump has been behaving since then. You know, this, this, this bizarre behavior about stuff that he knows he's not supposed to do. And he just, it, it's, it's uh, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I'm not really qualified to, to diagnose him. But I, I, I find it very strange behavior that a person who has ascended to that office, now he's trying to get in there a second time, uh, still continues to say things which are um, not true, um, which are dangerous. I mean, this is the sort of rhetoric which encouraged, some of his rhetoric, for example, Trump's rhetoric is the very thing that encouraged domestic terror groups like the Proud Boys, for example, to engage in acts of violence. These guys brought their guns with them into Washington, DC, right into, uh, uh, you know, the, the seat of power um, where, 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 our, where our government is centralized. And there wasn't a little bit of violence that day, it, like the Republicans have tried to pass it off. They claimed that uh, even Tucker Carlson, the now disgraced Mr. Carlson in, in telling his lies on Fox when he was still there, tried to promote the idea that this was nothing, that most of the people there were just sightseers and tourists and the rest of it. Yeah carrying guns and sticks and beating cops. Right, yeah, that's just tourists. That's what tourists do. No, I don't think so. Um, so, you know, th these things happened and, and the concern that I have is this, you know, unless these people are punished, unless we make an example, not just the domestic terrorists, but you know, they weren't acting by themselves. They were encouraged by people like Trump. Unless people are held accountable for this kind of behavior, then we find ourselves in a very precarious, this is what Larry was talking about, Lawrence Tribe was talking about, we find ourselves in a really precarious situation um, where it doesn't take much to topple a government. I mean, if you really want to, to, to throw this thing out of whack, to end what has been a wonderful aspect of our government is to have people not have faith in it anymore and, and to have people who are willing to do violence against it. That's, that's the end, we're done. If that's, that's what happened. So um, these are the things I worry about going forward. That and, and the fact that Mr. Trump has on multiple occasions also um, intimated that uh, he would like to change the Constitution uh, so that you're not limited to just two terms. He would like to see it be indefinite. As far as so well, now, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a guy who wants to be a king or a queen, basically, you know, to be the ruler forever. And that's not how our government works. We have elections, the majority of the votes that, that designate a winner produces the winner. That's how we do it. And having someone who has deluded himself into thinking he can just go and rewrite the constitution for himself and, and, and for his own self promotion that's really dangerous talk. And it's not the sort of thing you wanna be hearing from a person who already has pretty clearly some, a real need of therapy. As, as I recall, Joe, I believe Alexander Hamilton lost that debate uh, in the 18th century about- that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Let me ask you um, more broad, even more broadly, let's talk about the Republican Party. Yeah. It's easy. Um, and I know this is this is um, some some in the Republican Party har- harbor this. If we could just get rid of Trump, and so you have a couple candidates, namely um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who who's sort of portraying himself as Trump without the baggage. He's what we would the, call it's Trump light. <laughs> yeah, Trump light. Okay, but 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 does that suffice in the current brand of the Republican Party? Because my observation. And please feel free to correct me. My observation is that the, the the people who are committed to the former president are not necessarily policy wonks. They want him. So they don't want someone like him. They want him. So does that thinking of being Trump light, could that get you A, the nomination and B, the 270 electoral votes required to become president? Well, if he was able to review the documents, for example, that you cite and some others, um, I'm sure it would be within his rights to to say I, I, this is offensive and I don't you know, want to be part of this. And, and I was there actually when that was turned in, and I, I do recall there was you know a discussion going on about how much of that they should sort of make public and how much of that that they should just keep quiet about. Um, so I'm not sure where that went from there. Uh, necessarily. But the outcome of, of, of this, I think, was, uh, you know, it raised a lot of questions for us. You know, we used to have a lot of faith in the way government worked, and I think we still do, by and large. Um, but one of the things that I think was was precarious and dangerous about Mr. Trump's involvement in this, which he's legally entitled to have, obviously, um, was you know the the looseness with which he played with the law and the rules, and uh, you know how much of this was really primarily self-centered on his part. He was not interested and didn't seem to talk about being interested in how he helps all people. He was mostly just interested in himself. Even when he stepped away from from you know, seeking to run or or to be in charge. Um, you know, when he got involved in in, in uh, closing borders and things like that, you know, he raised lots of money for that, um, but didn't use any of it to to build walls or to close borders or or to be able to pay people to do those sorts of things. He did none of that. He he spent the money on his own projects. He's still doing that to this day. So it is a little hard sometimes for Trump anyway to take him seriously. Um, and uh, to trust that you know, he would do something that would be in the best interest of all people involved in this. And uh, I do think going forward, he's likely to continue, at least through one more election cycle, to try and make himself relevant in this whole discussion. But I, my guess would be now that he lost the last race, you don't often lose one of those and then come back and win again. Um, I think it's more likely that either he wouldn't he would withdraw from the, the next race, or he would, um, you know, m- make an effort, uh, but probably half half-hearted effort and lose would be my guess at this point. Um, so I I I I don't know that he's that much of a uh, well, he is a little bit of a threat to the way things work, but you know, the more he is uh, less influential 
in this process, the less of a, a real problem is. It's clearly someone that you need to keep your eyes on because he does randomly do things without telling people. Um, but those things we talked about at the beginning of our discussion with each other, um, I think are, are harbingers of what's likely to come down the road. Um, Trump has you know, a series of issues he's going to have to resolve, uh, as we talked about at the beginning. And uh, I, at this point, I don't see him making a lot of effort to address any of those things. If anything, he seems lately to have been far more interested in raising money um, that he claims is supposed to go for X, Y, and Z, you know, worthy causes, but it's basically going in his pockets to pay, you know, for another run for the president or, or you know, something else like that. I, I don't see him using the money for noble purposes necessarily. And, and but regardless of, 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 of uh, the outcome, uh, for, for for Mr. Trump, I guess I'm I'm wondering is is the Republican Party just have gone down this road? Are they just tethered to Trump's fortunes, whether they like it or not? In your view, well, um, there are some Republicans who have distanced themselves, um, senior Republicans who have distanced themselves from Trump because they've gotten to a place where um, he's. How do I say this politely? Um, he, they, I think they see him as being, behaving kind of wacky, a, a, little, a little crazy, um, not, not normal, a little abnormal. His behavior, the, the things that he talks about, the things that he values. And, and of late, he just seems more distant from that, the, the, you know, the sensible Donald Trump that used to be. You know, even when Trump was a business person, he, he didn't come across as a crazy person. He just seemed, you know, as a, he looked like and sounded like an aggressive businessman. And he was sort of headed that way as a politician. And he was fortunate enough to get in, um, you know, in, in 2016. Um, but he, he wasn't, I think in both instances, 100% committed to, you know, whatever he was involving himself in. Um, I have observed of him, just my opinion, um, to be someone who's kind of reminds me of, of, of students I may have had in my past when I was teaching who would agree to, to do an assignment or do a project, but they would just give it a half-assed, half-hearted effort. And, and the end of it would, would, would read like that. It would like, like you weren't even trying when you wrote this. Um, Mr. Trump, I think oftentimes has sort of projected that he'll he'll make some outrageous claim that gets media attention and the newspaper people or the television people want to interview him and talk about it. But then when you get into the meat and guts or the meat and bones of the subject, he doesn't really have much to say. He just comes up with a couple of pithy, P-I-T-H-Y, pithy uh, statements and moves on. And he's, he's, he, it's, he's not realistic. Um, as as a, a national leader, he is visually interesting to look at. I suppose he's a big person, and uh, and sometimes says funny things. But it's very difficult, as I was saying at the beginning of this part of our conversation. It's difficult to take him seriously as someone who really means what he's talking about, because half the time, if I may be so blunt, he doesn't even know what he's talking about, right? And and so. 
you know, it was already risky enough, to be honest, I'm just telling you what I think of this, it's already risky enough for our country to have him in the White House the first time, because that's a guy with access to the nuclear launch codes that we were talking about before. I wouldn't want him anywhere near that stuff. This is the guy who went and traded that kind of talk uh, with King, Kim Jong-un, uh, North Korea. Um, you know, that's it, it, nice to, I guess, have a friend or something like that. But talking about using that kind of material and Trump at one point, I think, uh, commenting on how it was really cool that, that you know, the, the leader of North Korea tested his weapons. Maybe we should do that, too. Well, that's that's not what you want to hear from this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about is the point. So he is is still famous enough, um, ironically, from his television shows. Uh, and his numerous divorces to have people know who he is. You know, they, they've heard of the name Donald Trump before, um, and maybe because of his his hotels and the rest of it. Um, and there are also a lot of people who have heard of him who don't have high respect for him because he also had a bunch of loser business deals too. Everybody has one of those, I suppose, but he had a bunch of them, including a casino that went belly up and and cost a lot of people who invested in it a ton of money that they lost, not him. He was, he was just the promoter. So I, I, I think that uh, going forward, you'll find that there are a lot of people who probably want to stay clear of him to some degree, um, because at this point, a lot of the things he suggests are not sensible, not realistic a lot of the time, and or dangerous, frankly. When you make statements like burn down the Department of Justice or whatever, those kinds of statements, um, I don't know that you can arrest a person for that unless they're threatening a specific person's life. Um, but uh, uh, you know, to have somebody that behaves that way and have access, and he wants another chance in the White House now, and, and having getting him access to nuclear weapons and the rest of it, or to another round of let's steal all the boxes and take them to our place and read them, <laughs> and then hide them in the bathroom next to the toilet. Boy, is that loopy or, or what? Um, I don't I don't think that's good for this country. We should certainly have a, a, a president, and the president, a man or woman, should be a person of integrity and, and wisdom, and uh, if I'm being blunt, uh, Mr. Trump does not possess or he doesn't showcase those characteristics right now. That should be a reason to vote for somebody else, not him. Well, we appreciate always um, your frankness, but, but as um, since you and I have been, since we've been having you on consistently provide public analysis, we always close with the same question for you. Um, in spite of everything we've talked about, you have to give us an update on Mr. August. Uh, how's he doing? And, and, and so that, that's how we always end our shows, Joe. So go ahead. Now, you have to remind me, you, you have an athletic background, I believe. I do. I, that's correct. Basketball and baseball? Or it, was just, it was, it was bad. I love baseball, but it was just basketball that I played. See, I'm going to answer your question with the reference to both because. Okay. grandson right now has. Um, a little set of uh, basketball hoop in the backyard here. That's about maybe four feet tall. So he can dunk on that <laughs> all day long <laughs> because he's taller than that. Um, but the funny thing about him, this will make you giggle, um, is he was, he was learning little league baseball last summer. 
And he's not a bad hitter, it turns out. And his father played in Division I baseball and was a good pitcher, as it turned out, before he threw out his arm. But, but you know, and, and my little guy loves his dad. So, you know, baseball's big in that side of the family. So the first time he was up to bat and he got a base hit, he ran to first base. And actually, at his age, he didn't run. He skips like a kid. La, 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 la. And, but the thing he didn't, didn't hear me say or, or the, his coach say, you know, didn't hear it was uh, you're supposed to stop when you get to first base, right? You got to touch the <laughs> What happened was he hit it so far, he just ran past first base way out into right field. <laughs> and his coach was saying, second base is over there. And he goes, what? He's like, because you're out. <laughs> Oh, no, that that's great. So so as long as we have as long as we have you on, um, uh, hopefully for many more years, we're going to always have we're going to end our shows always with the August update. So well, let, let me give you one side. Note. Well, so my kids are farmers. The parents of, of August are farmers and uh, they have a nice farm out in the city called Sinol near San Jose. And uh my daughter, in addition to being a farmer, uh, does social media for a company called Carhartt that creates these clothing, clothes for out people who work outdoors. And all the teenagers are just crazy for these clothes. So Carhartt uh, asked my daughter to do a, uh, create a, a television commercial on Carhartt. And they, they, they took August and said, do you want to be in this commercial? And August didn't even know what a commercial was. He said, oh, do whatever you tell me to do. So in the uh, commercial, um, they had all these people in there with all the equipment and the big mirrors in the background and stuff to shine the light in a certain way. And there's little August and the director was saying to him, okay, I'm going to count down to one and at the count of one, you start running. And he was only supposed to run a few feet. So they say, okay, go <laughs> start running. And August takes off. And then suddenly uh, he has gapped them by about three or four truck lengths. So like he, he's almost out of sight at this point. And if you see this video, there are all these people holding the cameras and the mirrors and the rest of it in this field, chasing August. <laughs> trying to get. <laughs> I love it. That's that. He likes to run. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> no, no, the, the adventures of August to be continued. Um, August Chronicles, we'll call them. There you we'll go. Call, we'll, we'll call that. That'll be. We'll, we'll always end now. A segment of our show will be dedicated to the August Chronicles. There you go. All right, Joe Tuman, thank you so much once again for sharing your insight on the public analysis. It's always appreciated. Great to be in conversation with you, sir. Oh, you as well, and it, always a pleasure. And, and I hope I didn't gas on too long. Um, no. We'll see how it goes. Keep your fingers crossed. Maybe you know. Hopefully, things will work out politically here. But it's it's a uh, a little messy right now. The Public Morality welcomes your comments. You can contact me at Byron at publicmorality.org. That's Byron, B-Y-R-O-N, at publicmorality.org. You can follow me on Facebook as well as Twitter. The archive broadcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Prime, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Those listening to the Public Morality on WSNC can also listen on its app. Using your mobile device, simply go to your application page, search WSNC 90.5, and click open to listen from anywhere. The Public Morality is produced at WSNC on the campus of Winston-Salem State University. 
For all of us at The Public Morality, I'm Byron Williams.